so good afternoon to our listeners of Bensel Talks. Uh, we are excited to bring to you a eminent sustainability and CSR professional uh, with us. And uh, this episode of Bensel Talks, uh, we are going to discuss wide-ranging issues, right from inclusivity to nature and sustainability. Uh, so please welcome Ms. Lata on this episode of Bensel Talks. Uh, good afternoon, Lata. How are you doing? Uh, good afternoon, Raji. Uh, a pleasure and thank you for inviting me. So this is exciting. Uh, I have actually not been to a podcast earlier before, so this is also a new experience for me. Uh, thanks, Lata. Uh, so, uh, you know, let me jump in. I've known you for a few years and I know you're very passionate about nature and um, we are have been talking about climate change and the risk associated with it. So do you think this is an eye-opener for us in terms of the pandemic and, uh, you know, in terms of the unknown, um, uh, you know, factors and the risk associated with climate and environment? Do you think that will get exemplified and get taken more seriously by organizations going forward? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I've been personally uh, talking about this, I think, quite for quite some years now, and most of the other... Uh, even the world leaders in environment or sustainability are been talking about it. So I, uh, anything now to do with uh, climate or, uh, you know, as we call it, the climatic climatic events, it's a directly correlation to the kind of destruction we are causing. Uh, especially, you know, uh, cutting down on uh, forests, which are, uh, you know, important, and especially the crucial biodiversity. So that uh, is directly correlating and we are seeing the repercussions now. So it's like uh, the cyclone we saw of uh, Tote is not just one example. Uh, you, I mean, even I lived in Mumbai for I, since my childhood. Years since I've been here, I never used to hear about cyclones in the Arabian Sea side. And definitely not in Mumbai. Very rarely would you have that one uh, thunderstorm or cyclone coming in. Otherwise, it will usually always rain. But look at the past, uh, I think, three years or so, we, we, had, uh, we have two cyclones at least every year, uh, this side of the uh, Arabian Sea. Arabian Sea is supposed to be uh, quite, uh, the current of Arabian Sea is not supposed to cause cyclones, but that is also rapidly changing, and that's completely due to the ocean undergoing a huge uh, traumatic uh, change because of, you know, the sea rising as well as heat uh, coming in due to the change in the climate. So it's it's it's, uh, it's a cyclic, I would say it's a cyclic thing. Uh, we are causing damage and, you know, that is then causing harm to the nature and to the climate. And then again, it falls down back to us in terms of uh, causing harm to us. So, so it's 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 a complete. Um, uh, we are already seeing what uh, scientists I think have been predicting for almost uh, 10, 15 years now. So we are seeing the effects uh, currently. So, uh, uh, so is it that you would say that uh, you know these things will now get uh, uh, far more? Uh, regular and it's not something which would happen once in a while and are these uh, warning signals sort of which needs to be really looked at holistically in terms of the balance of nature? 
that's clearly uh, it's causing a lot of repercussions. Uh, even the human-animal conflict we're talking about is directly now uh, correlated to our interference. Basically, we are interfering in their homes. Uh, so there was there, uh, animals actually do not like to approach humans. I mean, most of the wild animals. So, so in a way, if they are uh, coming closer to a human uh, habitat, it means either we have moved closer to the homes or we have encroached upon a certain forest land. And that's where these, uh, uh, you know, most of these human uh, animal conflicts are also happening. Second is uh, uh, we are losing certain what what would be called as the key indicators. We're usually losing some of these uh, key uh, species which are actually uh, maybe it, they may seem low in the food chain, but they are actually very crucial to the ecosystem because they are the food of certain um, uh, bigger animals. And once uh, you know, once that kind of species is not able to find uh, its uh, prey, uh, you tend to say because it is facing hunger. So obviously, the that particular species will then start uh, encroaching upon to you know uh, the closest possible uh, available uh, prey, which is obviously as humans. And and uh, you know, it, uh, I think I I uh, read a study on the leopard. Uh, population in Sanjay Gandhi National Park and the kind of uh, conflict that was happening uh, between uh, the leopards and Mumbai city. And, uh, uh, they were attacking more of the dogs because of the uh, human population that was nearby. So, you know, automatically there are more stray dogs. And why the That's reason right. there are more stray dogs is because we are also dumping uh, more of our waste outside. Uh, you know, the entire Sanjay National Park, if you see, surrounded by human encroachments plus, uh, you know, residential buildings. So, uh, then hence it means there are more uh, dogs and cats, which is easy prey for the leopards. And and that was why the leopard is straying outside of its home, because it's an easy prey. A dog is a much easier prey than obviously a, a, a chintal or a sambal for the, tiger, for the leopard. So that's, that's uh, another, so that's one, one other thing. And uh, the other is, uh, if you look at, if I have to divide ecosystems into uh, separate things, closer home to India, it's more like uh, we are also causing a discontinuous uh, level of forest. So we are cutting through uh, Western Ghats. Western Ghats is supposed to be a linear uh, homogeneous uh, section of mountains, a mountain range which is homogeneous and continues in, you know, around six states. But we are causing disruptions in between those. So what happens then, there is uh, one year causing disruption also in the pathway of the animal, animal life. Two is obviously you're destroying certain crucial ecosystem which is important for the well-being of the other side of, let's say, the, that particular part of Western Ghats. And uh, that is another thing, you know, when we, when we are looking at deforestation, it's not just cutting down a forest, but it's also disrupting a certain part of ecosystem, which is connected in a, uh, you know, in a, a certain part. I know it's controversial, but I'm completely against uh, things like river linking project, because you're causing, uh, you know, complete disruption 
and the disconnectivity in ecosystems. So you know, all of them are closely connected to each other. So the moment, uh, let's say you uh, interfere in, let's say a river ecosystem over there, the forest ecosystem which is lying next door to it is affected. So all of this uh, needs to be carefully thought of before we think about, you know, uh, think about putting a certain kind of an infrastructure uh, development project in. Fair enough. And I think that's been a classic kind of a, you know, tussle going on between uh, growth and uh, environment. And um, that, uh, you know, is very rightly, as you pointed out, is something um, countries like India need to treat very cautiously because at the end of the day, you have like uh, a billion plus population to feed and you have, you know, uh, employments to create. So, uh, you know, from a top level and... Um, to, from a macro perspective, uh, what would your take be in terms of how should this be dealt with? I'm not trying to get into specific projects, but you know, as you mentioned about river linking, or we uh, recently in Uttarakhand had the, uh, you know, the landslide which happened and the cloud burst which happened. So all those things are where the tidal project is coming up. So we keep seeing a lot of instances of that closer home in Mumbai. Uh, the coastal road project is going on, and then. A citizen activist went to Bombay High Court to get a stay on, you know, uh, RA, uh, this thing being used for metro or breach candy garden, a tree, uh, you know, where you have the park, or trees not to be, you know, uh, cut and felled. So, you know, you see a lot of these. So at a macro level, how do you really deal with this? So, you know, it becomes a lot easier to, to, uh, to grow sustainably. First, I think that needs to be a deep uh, urban planning uh, thought given to projects of that huge scale. You know, we are talking about uh, coastal road and the Varsova Bandra ceiling, for example. They were thought about as a project and possibly designed uh, somewhere in 2000, the year 2000. And, and between 2000 to, you know, 2021, you're talking about a sea change in terms of everything. So that's something where, you know, what are you planning about? So when you plan for infrastructure, you need to think focused about 10 years or 15 years ahead of that particular uh, movement when you are planning on the infrastructure project. That's point number one. Because you need to think about is, uh, for example, is postural project really going to benefit? Because even now, the uh, if you look at the vehicle population in Mumbai, I think it's barely less than 2% or 3%. Yeah, and, and I, I don't see it increasing to even 10% in the next uh, five years. Okay, that's that's point number one. So what are you planning for? Are you planning it for all the cities? You mentioned about coastal road project, for example, is it good for the city or is it good only for a certain population? So if we can carry yeah. on from there, yeah, please. Yeah, so what, what the basic thing is, uh, because things are changing drastically, as we have seen, you know, with COVID and everything, it, it's happening in a matter of moments. Uh, for for us as human beings to even you know realize and then start uh, doing some damage control. So now uh, urban planning is extremely crucial. So at the level of urban planning, you need to think um, uh, whether you're a government or whether you're a uh, infrastructure uh, developer. You need to think ten years ahead whether a will the scenario be the same? Will there be the same kind of users? That's one. Two is you need to think about uh, doing less harm at a design stage. So when why why shouldn't uh, coastal road or Varsova Banner ceiling or any other even even uh, building 
today a building structure why don't developers think about the environment at the time of designing the project why is it that they only think about it when they have almost made ready the plans when the land has been bought you know so what happens is it's like basically putting a bandaid to things and and that's not going to help anyone so uh, the circular economy when we talk about is basically uh, circularity at the point of design itself and that needs to come very clearly at any development stage whether it's infrastructure or whether it's you know residential or even commercial complexes that thinking needs to come at that stage because uh, most of the uh, quite very well developed world i mean people are talking about but you know in sweden somebody has built a ceiling over the sea uh, and there are not just one there are several yes there may be several but have we looked at what they planned out at the stage of planning because for us our time uh, taken for developing a project is quite huge the time lag between that is huge by that time there has been we have we have our population would have grown by 20% which means we have we would have encroached upon those land secondly mangroves or uh, uh, trees will also have uh, you know grown over that particular area that we are looking at so lot of this uh, needs to be thought of at design stage rather than you know thinking whether uh, because because if metro is happening in mumbai why do we then need a a road a road infrastructure sure so right. so the the basic principle of sustainability anywhere whether it's india or anywhere in the world the basic principle is you should move people to become more sustainable so the idea then would be i would want to move uh, more people to you know uh, look at metro as a possible public transport than you know look at cars true very true and yeah absolutely that's that's a these are conflicts basically i understand absolutely Yeah, so, and, and I think it's, yeah, it's just that it helps if you think about environment as a movement of design, because then I you agree. can you can reduce the harm, uh, you know, rather than having true, a true, true. And I think there are global practices, right, in US and Europe, and we've seen in a lot of the developed nations. Uh, at a time of a project development, you need to factor in, uh, as you said, you know, the environmental concern, the availability of water and power and social infrastructure. All those things should determine how projects get approved. And you know, rather than waking up and realizing that you know we have a narrow road, uh, for example, you don't have enough space for vehicular movement, and you know, lots of other. kind of concern this comes up yeah and you know when you mention usa us is the best example to not do like usa because usa made that mistake of uh, you know uh, about 60 yeah. years back <laughs> i use it in wrong context yeah yeah i use yeah, it I mean, in wrong context but like yeah but but they do have policies in terms of when a project comes up like uh, you know infrastructure project you, you do no. have to have uh, but you have to prove right that you are sustainable in terms of parks in schools and the social infrastructure and otherwise the project doesn't get approved and you have to create that infrastructure before you actually build yeah, up yeah. the residential tower i'm saying i, I, I was specifically I, you know, yeah, i mean i only made from the point that 60 years ago us did that mistake of uh, disrupting their nature and they had huge repercussions because of which now they are 
learning that you know they can't do it that way hence they are now following sustainable practices and all of the dams they are destroying their own dams now the dams which they had created 100 years ago because okay. it, it has that it completely changed the river uh, flow system in the us so all okay. those dams have been uh, ha- are just being destroyed now and nature is coming back you know the natural flow of the river is also coming back so it's it's is what what i am trying to say is usa did that mistake but they are okay. are learning from their mistakes they are learning from their mistakes and they are now trying to put uh, things in place what i am thinking about is in, in india we don't have the scope to do that mistake because uh, our time is now very short climate change is sure. already happening so sure, we sure. don't have that uh, we don't have that luxury now of making a mistake and you know waiting for climate change to happen because it's already happening i think it's a it's a very important point you touched upon i think from our viewers if you could share what are the kind of mistakes you have made and what is the kind of you know repercussion it had i think it would be very important to understand it if you can elaborate that lata so so in terms of uh, uh, usa they uh, it it's basically as i would say it's simple engineering you know even india uh, wanted every every uh, country wants to be independent and you know uh, engineer and manufacture themselves uh, us uh, unlike people who think us is a very um, biodiverse you know country by itself and uh, there there are many uh, mountains which are also linked to rivers so uh, there have been cases where uh, you know uh, dams actually stop the complete flow of the river they changed the flow of the river in the sense saying that you know uska dishai badal diya and uh, they lost the, they lost a lot of uh, very crucial species especially the beavers you know beavers uh, which uh, we call as the natural uh, engineers uh, or bridge builders uh, in the world they lost a lot of those species because of the change in the river pattern so now that they have mm-hmm. started destroying some of the dams uh, the river actually has flown back it has resumed its pattern because there's no okay. okay okay uh, us is finding that beavers uh, kind of species are also coming back or otters are coming back otters are also coming back so uh, uh, okay. the repercussions like i said they may seem very small species otters beavers but the issue was they are also prey and also they help in lot of other ways that's the nature okay. beavers okay. Uh, you know uh, gnawing to the wood uh, the branches which have fallen the tall branches tree branches which have fallen and uh-huh. they help the river then flow better so so okay. they actually remove that hurdles which river faces in in case of boulders or woods or whatever plus they are obviously prey uh, to other rivers and at the same time they also manage uh, control of the fish population right so uh, when beavers and otters are lost uh, they are their, their population reduces hunters or other um, uh, animals don't find their food uh, so they also reduce their population fish population increases which is harmful uh, to a certain extent just like you know we, we the world is facing um, overpopulation of humans and it is you know causing imbalance in nature it's a same to same yeah. same with almost all so there are a lot of examples like that which are uh, now uh, showing how uh, important it is and you'll be surprised to think that 
United Nations has actually declared this year as the UN Decade of Restoration, keeping in mind okay. how important how important ecosystem restoration is in, uh, to uh, us as a planet. And they have gone on record saying that the COVID uh, uh, you know pandemic is completely due to the fact that ecosystems have been damaged. So the the task now for the next ten. Years is basically to see if we can restore back our ecosystems, and and that's going to be uh, obviously all countries also will be looking at uh, looking into doing it. So so it's basically you know that's some of the things that you know I suppose India also should be looking at. For no, me. that's. Fair enough. I think that's very enlightening to understand. Uh, uh, you also mentioned about circular economy, and you know uh, this word is now pretty, uh, you know, regularly used. Can you just, for our viewers, explain it in a very simple language? What it means? In a simple language, it is basically an economy which is circular. So, uh, as we say, from so once you 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 start a product or a service from a design, right? So mm-hmm. it starts from design. So at the moment of design itself, are you thinking about, for example, if it's a product like let's say a light bulb? So at the moment of design itself, are you uh, you should loop in the factor that once the light bulb is ready uh, to be sold, uh, what will happen to its face once the light bulb is discarded by a customer? What happens to it? So it it looks in everything. It looks into the fact that uh, how is the user uh, going to use. So there's over consumers as per circular economy. It's users. So you you may use uh, Rajiv your phone slightly differently than how let's uh, say might be maybe using. And circular economy induces at the design level to see how you use your phone and design it in a way so that it ensures efficiency in use of resources and raw materials. uh two is then short efficiency or rather it helps in uh, reducing uh, energy use all of this is being thought of design stage and then you follow the product in that way and then the circular uh, factor is once it's used by you you want to discard it off so it is either you make the product so modular that it goes back to the company and they can reuse some of the parts of your phone let's say Uh, yeah, right. so it's basically complete circular and in a way it's, it's almost what nature also talks about and inspires so so that's uh, uh, so in case of uh, design now it's a very common thing to talk about circularity in design fair enough so in fact you were talking about mobile phones and that's a huge e-waste that we are generating and i read uh, recently that in europe they started a movement to make phones modular again so not the way we get it now where we have to dispose and buy a new phone so you can replace a battery or you could replace a processor or you know a ram or whatever is required to be done so that you know you you actually can reuse it and it have a, has a much lesser damaging impact on the environment so do you see those things coming back Yes, I mean very much because the e-waste uh, waste is one of the other biggest uh, problems that uh, the world is facing. Waste, uh, including uh, your dry and food waste, waste which includes plastic, plastic, and India is the biggest generator of plastic in the world. And uh, then is the e-waste. So e-waste is now becoming a bigger problem. Uh, in fact, uh, I am researching um, uh, recycling uh, in solar industry. 
because uh, you know solar while it's renewable but once it finishes its life cycle which is approximately 25 years its parts are not uh, you know they will not disappear so what that is true so so e-waste is so that's the reason i'm saying it needs to be thought of as a design stage itself sure and uh, that's uh, important but yes i think in india there is a e-waste of course policy has been created now there is a relook at uh, changing some of the waste policy uh because it's uh, i mean the kind of we don't have any more lands now to handle our waste so that's you that's know, so, so that's uh, what you call it it's forcing the hand so as to say at the same time uh, 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 it's making in europe uh, i i been to sweden once i think about 10 years back when i was there they just had a huge Island of land only meant for uh, scrapyard, only meant okay. for business. I mean, I, I, all I could think of is India. It's not land, but that obviously we would, we would have also occupied along with that base. So okay. they, uh, so they uh, started at by by now. Uh, Sweden is the number one in uh, recycling, so much so that they are actually asking other countries to send them the waste so that they can recycle and you know reuse. Uh, their uh, entire Uh, thought was on how to reduce waste, so they have gone ahead so much that they have uh, uh, what they call uh, recycling walls. Second small recycling what walls? Small walls. Small. Small. Oh, okay. Where, okay, got it. Where you can go and buy anything, any recycled item or upcycled item. Okay. So it's okay. it's you so that scrapyard was converted into uh, uh, you know uh, in the a residential complex, a sustainable residential complex with okay. uh, making making use of lot of those uh, items which are found in the scrapyard. So so you know so that's uh, uh, so that's how much uh, uh, progress they are making in waste. Uh, you know now they are asking other countries to send them waste. Because they don't, have, yeah, they don't have waste now, so their waste plants are lying empty, and they have a waste to heat um, uh, recovery and or a waste to energy plants everywhere. So they need so, they need waste, right? So for that, so hence no, that's interesting. Are, yeah, but but um, uh, that is only possible if you first uh, have an awareness among us among the citizens. Very true. Yeah, yeah. You need that activism. You need the the policy making, and we need to we need to segregate our waste. As simple as that. We need to segregate our waste, and then only can uh, even the municipality or government sure. look at uh, doing something with the waste. So, so a lot of uh, uh, thoughts around that uh, leads to also circular economy. very interesting so uh, you spoke about sweden and uh, you know there are a lot of scandinavian countries which are you know which lead this so what is it that you know um, uh, the rest of the world can learn from them you spoke, you gave a very good example about how in sweden they don't have enough waste so they have to import waste to you know to run the plants and uh, uh, people are very aware and they buy recycled and upcycled products so what is it that the world can learn from them Uh, I think first is if we look at uh, countries like Sweden or the Scandinavian countries, one is uh, uh, I will be very blunt. Their population is even less than Mumbai's population. 
the problem with all in india that's another problem which any government state government or you know the local government everyone faces that big issue is how to manage the citizens to also start implementing it. at a policy level we have everything in this in this uh, country we have everything at a policy level talk about solar yes. talk about waste everything is there except we do not have uh, ourselves as citizens we are not uh, looking at implementing it so that's another yeah, yeah as this charity begins at home so you know obviously uh, i hope the millennials lead this as we go forward lata so which brings me to the last question of our very interesting discussion um you, you know i have learned a lot from you in terms of you know get inspired by nature in terms of innovation and technology and how we understand so little of it Uh, so what's your favorite example like that you would like to share with the viewer in terms of you know what kind of innovation and can come from nature and what best can we learn from it in which we can actually marvel at so if you look at uh, simple things like uh, shapes you know various if you look at nature there are various kind of shapes uh, and if you study them closely you'll find that between behind each shape there is a uh, scientific principle also behind so like if you look at bee hives uh, to paper wasps they have uh, their hives are generally uh-huh. you know hexagon shape uh, now the way the hives are then designed they give the interlocking helps so so they have to use minimal amount of their saliva as glue so uh, because if you if you put hexagon tiles together yourself you will find that they lock better so when you think about uh, let's say even tiles or uh, let's say the footpath or something if you look at those kind of shapes you will find that you have to use less of cement and they lock better that they stay protected better that's one the other is uh, um, i'm i'm always uh, awed by the golden spider and you look at nature you'll find it everywhere the shape of the cyclone is a spider uh the bottom and and that's why they say you know at the if it's a tornado for example they okay. say if you can't be in the middle of the tornado right that needle and even in cyclone you say fill in the needle of that eye of the cyclone which is that uh, uh absolute singularity or middle point that's where the spiral then starts that is the that is because of the ratio the the mathematical ratio that exists the biggest strength lies in that small tiny dot of uh, you know that uh, circle or spiral and then it spirals out uh, to get, gather more uh, basically strength so if we design if we look at designing something if we look at it then it forms a very minimalistic design at the bottom you'll find that it gives maximum protection and you know so there are lot of uh, structures also now being designed that way basically nautilus shell is one best example i would say uh, the nautilus shell uh, if you if you most of the the tiny craft like creature which is lying in the shell it will always be hiding in that small tiny bit of the end of that spiral because mm-hmm. it is it's better protection water yeah, will be able to you know go into uh, that tiny hole so a lot of uh, architects have now started looking at uh, nature for uh, their designs uh, 
some of okay. the other examples we are looking at is termite termite hills uh, i mean i call termites uh, as the climate control engineers because uh, okay. uh, uh, the termite mound may be only maybe 2 feet or something high above the ground but below the ground they are actually spread over uh, huge square kilometers of land you know below the ground they have built uh, they would have built uh, a lot of tunnels and uh, now the question happens since they are all below the ground and above the ground is only a small cone of let's say mound of earth how is air being given inside those you know they are spread across square kilometers of land so can you imagine how is air being given to all that particular tunnels so they have these pockets of um, uh, windows built which give those uh, kind of air so architects have also picked up on this a lot of now structures uh, that is being built so you know you don't have to use uh, ac often so they are building in a way which gives you natural uh, way of uh, letting air in close the door Yeah, I mean, those are home for us. Like uh, simple things, like you know, uh, bees are uh, uh, the biggest pollinators. So, in case of a farm or an agriculture, if you grow wildflowers nearby, a bed of wildflowers nearby, or you even have bee farms near your uh, agricultural land, you will find that uh, you know you have the best produce, uh, so-called best produce. So these are small things which. Uh, is easily done and closer home for us is uh we can always take inspiration in the design and shape that is provided and we can make use of it fair enough sounds very very interesting i think there's a lot to learn and uh, you know we would be happy to also direct our viewers to to actually follow your uh, blog if you have one you can share with our viewers blog i do have but uh, i don't follow i usually use uh, instagram uh, and twitter so in instagram i okay fine post a lot Great. of this um, yeah so those are the things they can find and uh, so lats okay my, so can you just share your insta and twitter handle yeah uh, it's lats lats underscore insta And uh, tweets would be uh, lats underscore tweets. Okay, super. Yeah, super. So it's been a pl- pleasure having you, Lata, on today's episode of uh, Pencil Talks. We discussed wide-ranging issues in terms of uh, the ecological balance we need to have. Uh, you took a very uh, pertinent example of U.S. and how they overlooked, uh, you know, the environment. Uh, which caused a lot of damage and they are trying to reverse it to how india doesn't have time uh, given the climate change which is already taking place uh, to also a lot of inspiration from nature right from the shape and the sizes and how architects are borrowing from it and implementing it in their design i'm sure of yours will uh, enjoy listening to this episode thank you so much for joining me uh, and uh, have a good thanks. day yeah thank you uh, rajiv it was my pleasure and uh, probably Thank you so much for sharing this. All Thank right. Bye-bye. Thank you so Bye-bye. much, Rajiv. Pleasure. Bye.